Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Gambles, bottom of body, magical, stands in support, back to Tessie Yeo. That's a beautiful drive for the Breakers. Strong catch from Farnworth. Oh, he's kept it alive and then socket ahead by Gamble. Gamble gets over. This might be something extraordinary. Before the break for Brisbane, he's got it all paid off. Wow. Well, they're two origin players combined. One for Hello, Broncos fans, and welcome to this week slash month slash season's episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch, and we're joined down the line, not by our good friend Simo, but our good friend Benny DTD, who's back again. Good to have you, Ben. How are you going? Mate, I am very well. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, it's um first one of the seasons since we've... Uh, since we spoke about little positive means, Simo, in the preseason, as much positive as we could be, but we're here to talk about how we feel over the, the last six weeks and what's coming and answer your fan questions. A bit of Broncos therapy, really, for me and Benny, and you guys are going to uh, come along for the ride. But I thought we'd try and start positively because even though it doesn't feel like it, there is a few positives this season so far. Uh, firstly, I want to start with the false positives the two wins at the start of the year, Benny, how were you feeling when we, when we actually jagged two, two games? Uh, obviously, I was positive uh, with the wins simply because they were wins. Um, I know we didn't play great against the Bulldogs, mm. but we did manage to scratch out a win, which is generally the sign, you know, the sign of a, a decent team when you can win badly. Uh, you know, that's something that we haven't done for the best part of three years is, you know, win a game when we're playing poorly. So uh, to be able to win early playing poorly was a was a decent effort. And, you know, the second, the, the first round against South was, again, we didn't play great, but we played probably better than we did against the Dogs. And, you know, they, South were pretty bad. So we, um, you know, to hold on to, to both of those games and, and get a win was, was, you know, was a positive sign to start, but that sort of has pretty quickly disappeared uh, in the, you know, in the four games since. So, Yeah, those two games, like in the last couple of years, I haven't really enjoyed many of the wins. I had such little confidence we'd win those games. And I, like the last win I really enjoyed last year was that Titans comeback. You yeah. Know, that was a great comeback. But I actually really enjoyed these two. And I was at the Bulldogs-Broncos game and I enjoyed them a lot because... We didn't play well, but that's what you said, mate. Good teams or improving teams steal those games. And I thought, fuck, maybe we are changing. You know, we didn't play well. And, you know, we we, we shut down South. And we played smart against South. Like, we, you know, we jammed their left edge the whole game. Looked like they had a bit, bit more tactically going on. And then 
at the with the Bulldogs. Obviously, everyone knows how anemic the Bulldogs attack is, but in that game, we absorbed pressure, and we haven't absorbed pressure in years. Like they were on our line all game. We gave away silly penalties. We didn't crack. And I thought, fuck, maybe it's changing. Maybe if we start playing better, footy will we will you know actually win games confidently. And fuck how wrong I was. <laughs> like it didn't take well, long to revert back to type. Hey? And that's it. Like, you know, given that Reynolds didn't have any time uh, in the trials and everything like that, those first two wins felt like almost teething problem wins. So mm. we we're like, oh, we're only going to get better from here because, you know, Reynolds is going to have some confidence. We're going to have, you know, Kate Wells going to have more running under his belt. You know, the guys are going to get used to him. Ricky's going to be doing his thing on the edge, on that right edge. Um, you know, we're going to have stags. I thought that right edge of ours was going to, turn into one of the better ones in the comp, given that we had, you know, Reynolds out there patrolling it for the most part with mm. Stags being fully fit. And, you know, I was hoping obviously at the time that Jordan Ricky would come, come on pretty strong in the preseason and into the season that he could start being like one of those really good line running back rollers that could, you know, take the line on and get to their halves and create space out wide for someone like Katoni and Cobo on the wing to, to really take advantage of it. But it's, uh, you know, as you've shown with some of the stats, Ricky's been absolutely shocking. Dreadful. So, you yeah. know, that's really stunted that side. You know, now it's just hero ball to Stags, really, and hope he does something good with, you know, if he doesn't drop it, he's breaking tackles. So, Yeah, well, it's funny you mention that because, like, Reynolds has been, I think he's been really good. He missed those two kicks against, uh, who was it, the uh, Panthers? And oh, the Roosters. Panthers, sorry, Roosters, what I'm saying, yeah. whatever. But, like, he's got, you know, four tries, assists, whatever, a try. But almost all of his good work outside of, like, two good early balls to Stags has been the other side of the field. Mm. It doesn't feel like they can get anything go- – it doesn't feel like Ricky's running good enough lines. They can get anything going on that right side of the field. Like, half his good work's been coming left. Like, the kick for himself was coming left. A couple of set tries assists kicking for Corey Oates over to the left. It's like that right side – Obviously, yes, feeding Katoni, things have happened. When he gets good early ball, not just every ball, people think, think he should get every ball. When he gets good early ball, Katoni will beat play, people one-on-one. But, like, it has not clicked as a cohesive unit like you would have hoped on that side of the field around Reynolds. And then the other side of the field was looking like, Corey Oates had a resurgence. He's been one of our best players this season by some distance, yeah, even has. though he's slow as a wet week. Herbie's been fantastic. And the first couple of games... Albert Kelly looked pretty good. And then we know I don't care about the Payne-Hars Kelly fight. I'm not going to waste any time on it. But that happened week two. Week three, he got hurt. And that's really staggered out of the left-hand side of the field. Because Albert, what, what he did in that Bulldogs game, for example, he wasn't outstanding. But they, he saw that weakness in Jaden Ockenbaugh. And he just kept throwing cutout passes to Corey Oates. And those, those were leading to, like, you know, solid 15-meter runs, a couple of breaks. Like, he was playing quite well as well. And that's just all kind of gone now. Like, yeah. Albert's injured. Billy does a solidish job and now he's been dropped. And we'll talk about that again later, but it's like. The, I think that's the difference between yeah, Kelly and Billy as well is like Kelly actually has a fairly good footy brain on him. He can see mm. what he needs to do. It's more a case of his body can't keep up with it. But like you said earlier, that left-hand side, you know, we're, we're not the right-hand side hasn't clicked as much as we'd like, but that's probably also part and parcel of how well Herbie's playing on that left yeah. side. Like, you know, we are getting the ball to him off the back of shape. And he's obviously been probably our best player this year, aside from Reynolds as well. Um, 
So, you know, you, when you are playing well on that left side with Herbie and how he's running and all that sort of thing, you might as well play to that way because there's no point going right if it's not working, if left is working well. Yeah, 100%. And, and I guess the tough thing as well as being, mate, like I think Reynolds has been really good and we all hope you change things. But I think the toughest thing has been that actually it hasn't changed as much of those around him as I would have liked to have seen. And it's not his fault, obviously, but like even last, last week when we played um, Penrith, for the first 40 minutes, I mean, we know this team is great hanging in games until they eventually cave. But when they hung in that game for the first 40 minutes, again, you can see those things Reynolds talked about a lot. Like they were staying in the balance, completing their sets. And you could see Reynolds putting pressure on with the boot, you know, and we we're in the balance. And then soft defense from Jordan Ricky, Scott Sorensen scores that try and the floodgates open in the second half. But like you could see the stuff that why we signed Adam Reynolds but it still doesn't matter if we're so sloppy across the park outside of him and a few other guys. Like we just seem to have so many points of weakness and we do get focused on a few of them. Like I was really focused on Tessie, but you mentioned Jordan Ricky, and I may as well read some of those stats. Like they were, I did do them on Bronco and uh, our boom rookies. If people want to go into that and have a, have a look, but I will mention them here anyway, because we're on this podcast for Broncos fans, but like Ricky, he's now played 28 NRL games since he's debuted. He's only cracked 100 meters twice in 28 games. He only has four tries and he has five line breaks. He's broken two tackles all season this year and he's missed 13. And for his career in 28 games, he's only broken 37 tackles and missed 55. And his career he averages 62 meters a game. This year, he's averaging 42 meters a game. And I'll compare that to the short career in the back row of you and Aitken, right? He's played 12 games in the back row in that same time. He's broken two less tackles than Ricky. So he's broken 35 tackles. He's missed 22. He scored six tries and has three line breaks. Averages 105 meters. And in his 12 games in the back row, he has six of them over 100 meters. And one of those games, he got concussed. So really in 11 games, every other game, you and eight can all people, a guy who's been you know, a, bit of a bit of a meme for years, not a very good, not great as a good footballer. Every second game, he's giving the, the Warriors 100 meters. You know, uh, Ricky, as I said, only has two of those games in that time. Since his debut, only uh, for back rows by 60 minutes or more, there's only two average just running meters in him. Mitch Dunn, who averaged 59 money meters a game, and he's now out for the season, but he's already taken off the edge rotation at the Cowboys due to his performance there. And the other one, Kevin Proctor, 58 meters a game, end of his career veteran, also out of first grade. Ricky averages 62 for his career, 42 this year. His last in run meters average this year. He only has 212 meters on the entire season. And if you add him with Capewell, who also only has 268 meters for the season, we only get 480, right? Those two guys combined, 480 meters, would be good enough for the 17th most meters by a back rower as one player this year. That's combined. And then you start wondering why we have issues across the park. And we don't often focus on those guys, but... It's everyone's job on that field to get up the field and make meters and, and do, make yardage, but it's also the edge back rowers' job to break down defenses. And when you've got those two guys so uninvolved when we have possession, no shit that it like we seem so clunky. We never seem that threatening outside of like guys like Stag winning one on one because like we're not they're not we're not creating anything on the edges, mate. And they're not doing those two guys like I give Ricky uh, to Kate Boss some leeway because new to the club also did something cool in round one. We'll figure it out. He's also been signed for other other purposes. Bit okay he's playing on the left edge where there's no 
best established playmaker there as well. So he's probably not yeah. getting as much ball as but, but, what he could be. Jordan Ricky running at 42 metres a game is embarrassing for a guy who has played 65 and one, 80 and three others. And then, yes, he only played 20 minutes against the Cowboys. But his highest metres total in a game this season is 63. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can't, we can't use the young player excuse anymore. Like if he's a young player and, and we need an excuse, then he shouldn't be playing. He should be playing, you know, reserve grade to try and get those. He's, he's got to get more involved because it's not only about getting down the field with the ball as mm-hmm. well with him, but by his complete lack of, you know, actually getting the ball, that takes him out as a decoy runner as well because you just know he's not going to get the ball. So you, the defences can afford to slide a little earlier on Ricky because they know he's not going to get the ball. So he's got to start commanding the ball a little bit more on the edge or, and, you know, being someone who can actually get at their halves, get a quick play the ball, that's what Ricky mm-hmm. should be doing. Like, he has got all the attributes for someone that should be absolutely dominating that edge. Like, you look at Kikau and, and guys of that nature, they're big, they're fast, athletic guys. Ricky is all of that. But he's got to want to get involved. He's got to want to hit the line hard and he's got to want to get to his you know, elbows and knees so he can get a quick play the ball. Because if he's doing that on an edge, then he should be making 120, 130 metres a game without a problem. But he's, he's just not. And we're not getting any benefit from his size on the edge. Yeah. And, and obviously some of this comes down to coaching as well because it, like you, you get those numbers right. And on every team plays a KPI. Even like even if you're like you sorry you can't get away with getting averaging forty meters a game at most teams, mate. You just can't. You do that. It doesn't matter where the runs are coming from. If a coach is post game, you're you're getting thirty or forty meters. You're like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? But like, in, if, if you're but, playing just club footy, the coach would be like, why aren't you taking the hit ups? Like we yeah. can't have Payne Haas taking eighteen hit ups and Carrigan taking sixteen hit ups a game. You know, in the middle all game, and then have Jordan Ricky on the edge taking three or four runs a game. Like no club whether it's first grade queue up or local league would accept that from a back rower. No club. Yeah, exactly right, mate. And then we have that going on. And as you said, it's really frustrating with Ricky because we have seen the ball carry. He can be in flashes and in moments. We've seen the damaging ball runner he can be. We've seen when he's engaged sometimes how he can hit a line. And it's just frustrating that he doesn't seem to do that on a weekly basis. And yes, some of it will be his usage because I don't think he's, up to 80 minutes of football. And we saw it in, in, in the Panthers game again. He, he's had a habit of being that guy. Even in the close games, he's had the habit of being the pressure valve or the thing that blows. Like when games are actually yeah. in the balance and we end up losing, it's very often Ricky was the guy the other team went through. And like yeah. that happened. Remember when we blew the, the Tigers were beating them last year up at Suncorp? We're up like, I think it's like 18-14 or similar. And it's just after the start of the second half. And Dane Laurie made that terrible break when Ricky put his hands up and backed away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Laurie made a break. They scored the next set, and then the what, the Tigers pissed it in. You know, we played the, played South last year, and Adam Reynolds scored one of them actually. And it was end of the first half. I think it was twelve ten, and Dan Gagai just runs right past Ricky with like two minutes to go, and then Reynolds scores under the post, and then we got blown away. But there's also that he did it in the Roosters game last year and the Panthers game as well last year. It's like in these long stints, it was almost always near end of the first half or second half. He makes offensive mistakes. And, and that's the thing. They're coming off the back of him actually not doing much work, which is the concerning yes. part. Yes, it is. So it's, it's like, what are you tired from? You're hard. not tired from making 100 metres already. And, you know, if you'd had made 100 metres, 
then you can sort of forgive the little lapses in defense because he's obviously gassed from doing a lot of work in the on the attacking side of the ball, but he's not doing a lot of attacking work. So his defensive work should be spot on and he's just getting beat on these very, and, you know, not by good line running or anything like that, just by lazy tackle efforts, just putting your arms out or not putting your arms out at all. Yeah, 100%, mate. And and it kills you watching that because, like, again, we know the player that could be in there, but to me it feels like at this point, and I know Pia Kura isn't fit, but when he's fit, it's like he's got to start eating Ricky's minutes, pressure on Ricky, and it could be vice versa that, you know, Ricky plays the first 50 and then Pia Kura goes that way, but there has to be pressure on that jersey because you can't just loaf through games like that, in my opinion. Because as you said, he's I know he's making quite a few tackles, but he doesn't seem like someone working hard enough to be as gassed as he is. Like he's yeah. not making having a lot of carries. And he's, he's not, not doing running that, a lot of lines. Or doing the kick pressure thing either. Like we that's no. what you need those edge guys to do. Capewell has been fantastic at kick pressure. He's probably one of our only ones putting on kick pressure. But like yeah. you know, Ricky's got to be getting off that line because he's generally going to be in a spot where the kicker will be. The kickers usually get to an edge on their preferred side. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Capewell or Ricky, both of them have got to be up. And and Capewell's doing that you know, to his credit, but Ricky's got to start doing that as well. Yeah. And we might as well move on to the next because Once you mentioned that the other guy I've been disappointed in, in, in the same facets as well is like Jake Turpin, who is out this week. We don't know if he's dropped or injured now because apparently he's injured, but he was a guy in the past that was good at those types of things. And that's the same thing I noticed like at the Bulldogs game, when we were watching Matt Burton put bombs up, no one was pressuring him. And in the past, you guys like a, Jake Turpin was never a special player, but he was in that tide who who did he made effort plays. Yeah, he was an effort guy. Effort guy, every you know, something in defense, he'd do something every couple of weeks. And also, you know, sometimes he'd pop up and support or whatever, and we'd and something would happen. That's kind of all gone. And once he loses those effort plays, you can't put up with terrible service. But the first thing I noticed with him this year that I couldn't stand was like, yeah, he was standing at marker watching Burton put bomb, bombs up. I was like, dude, you have to charge out. And Ricky was similar when I watched him do that. It's like, why are we not putting pressure on this dude? It didn't help Tessie, who's had a really tough season. But, like, if you're going to let Matt Burton line up bombs for 10 seconds, the result's going to be with even good fullbacks is going to be problems for them. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, Turpin, Turpin, mate, I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened. In preseason, we saw Corey Pakes get an opportunity. And is it because we won the first two games? Like, I just use that. And that's one it's of my issues be, with coaches. Because that's Kev. He's, he hasn't got a big enough brain to be able to through a win that things can change to improve despite winning. Winning doesn't mean everything is perfect. But hmm. for Kev, it does. So yeah. he, he can't see through the initial win to see that, oh, hang on. We won probably despite having Turpin play hooker because his service was bad. And he's mm. not putting on pressure uh, to the kickers. He's not getting off the line quickly enough. He's actually, he was almost actively for the whole season being trying to give away penalties. Like I get slowing down the ruck is a good thing. But like my Brian, God, mate. Brian James does it well, but there's been times where Turpin looks like he has just been, he will run in late third man and just all of a sudden he just lies on the ruck for four or five seconds. And it's not a good Lying on the ruck, it's just no. He, you're on he the puts his hands in the air like, when he's leaning on them. Oh, I want yeah. to slap him! <laughs> it's incredibly frustrating. It is, mate, because the way like the way Ryan James does it, and I've really liked Ryan James this year. I know some pe- fans aren't a fan of his stuff, but I like him because 
you can see the veteran plays and we wish we had him a couple of years earlier, but you'll see when he play, every time he comes on the field, watch how long he lies in the ruck. But at no point does it ever look like he's deliberately really slowing it down like Turpin does. That's why he doesn't get penalised. He knows what he's yeah. doing. Because he slowly right. releases and slowly gets up in that way. Yes, whereas Turpin like leans on him with his stomach and has his hands in the air. And it's like, dude, we know what you're doing. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you're going to get penalised. And a few times this year, he's been the guy who's given that penalty away when he in the second half or whatever, and we really didn't need one. And it's been dumb shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, his his service has been really poor this year. Like really poor. Like last couple last year, you had injuries going in the season. You thought maybe that's part of why the service is so bad. It's been awful this whole season. It's been yeah, worse now. than what McCull- McCulloch was when he was poor for us, and that's saying yeah, something. Because when McCulloch got really bad, injury. yeah, he got really bad, and he just could not get the ball in front of anyone. It was going above someone's head behind them. That's where Turpin's been from minute one when he's fresh yeah. and everything and he just cannot seem to get the ball out in front of anyone. Yeah. But even like, again, in the Bulldogs game, for example, when Billy came on at hooker, Billy was even better than him. And I think Billy Walters is benefiting this year from, he don't, I don't think he's a first grade football. I still don't. He just, he does. Okay. And he doesn't make mis- that many mistakes. People think he's better than he is. I think because he doesn't fuck up, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but he looked okay at hooker compared to Turpin because he like had his eyes up. He ran the ball a couple of times. And he could pass. Well, that's the thing. As a, it's your literal job to give quick service to those that are calling for the ball, whether it's you know someone hitting the ad line as like you know Payne Haas or Carrigan or whoever it may be, or getting the ball out the back to Reynolds as quickly as possible because Reynolds can't do what he does with slow service. It's mm-hmm. literally the only thing that you can't have as a hooker. You can't have bad service to your halves when you're an attacking check. And we do. And that's why we can't get any continuity and that's why we can't get any roll on because we've got a handbrake playing at nine. We do. And, and we also have an issue there, and it, people have noticed, it looks like Reynolds is under more pressure playing for Brisbane than he was playing for South. But it comes from twofold, maybe even threefold. But firstly, Turpin's service isn't good enough. But secondly, if you never run the fucking ball from hooker, mate, they can, they can kill the first receiver. If they know you're not going to run... Mm-hmm. they can charge a first receiver, which is what happens. Like Turpin has 122 metres for the season. And it's not about meterage for hookers, but it's like. Not always, you know, but you've got to take on some. You do. 122 metres for the season. Daniel Levi played hooker for us last year twice, started and had 122 metres. It's because he had his eyes up and darts sometimes. You just need them to do, even if it's on the best dart, they need to, they need to run a couple of times, times a game. Well, he doesn't do that. But the thing is, he's going to get clean play the balls off the likes of Haas. And, you know, Carrigan, especially this year, has been fantastic with that as well. Like, he's going to get an opportunity to do it. But he just, whether or not it's laziness or I'm not sure, but he gets up, he takes two steps. So he looks like he might run, but then he'll pass it poorly to the next runner who's now already got defenders in front of him, which essentially just negates the quick play of the ball that we've just had. 100%. Because he doesn't actually know what he wants to do. He'll get up, he'll take two steps, he'll then he'll try and maybe dart and just get tackled three metres down the field, or then he'll pass something to someone in a worse position than him. We get folded, and all of a sudden we're on the back foot with the ball. 100%, mate. And, like, you know, against the Bulldogs, he had one run for, for five metres in 55 minutes. Billy Walters came on and had four runs for 50 metres. You know, yeah. it's like, that's not that hard. And even last week, like, okay, Corey came on and we got 
steamrolled pretty much from that point on. But Turpin had zero runs in his entire stint last week. Corey Pakes' his first, like, second set, so he, had, he took a dart and almost made a line break. Because, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, mate. But when you haven't got your nine scheming like that, and then you haven't got your edge back rollers heavily involved, it gets really easy for opportunity, opposition defences to focus in on, hit, on hitting our halves and jamming well, up on those guys. Well, so if you're on the counter spot... Yeah, you go. go. Now you're you're up. Uh, I was just going to say, like, it allows defenses just to focus on certain parts of the field, knowing mm-hmm. that okay, we've got an edge channel that's not going to be used. Let's squeeze mm-hmm. right in there because we don't need to worry about the ball getting out wide to Ricky, who's going to be running a line at someone. So we can afford to squeeze in. Then you've got a hooker who's not taking any runs from dummy half. So the markers can afford to jump out quicker and their A defenders can get off the line quicker and show line speed to hit guys like Haas or Reynolds, whoever's going mm-hmm. to get the ball. So essentially what you've got is a compressed defensive line getting off the line quickly, knowing full well that Brisbane aren't good enough or smart enough to get the ball out wide or deep when we've got the ball because we've got Turpin who's just throwing bad service. And then we've got, Mm -hmm. like I said, edge guys who aren't running lines to keep defenders out wide. Makes it very easy to defend. It it does. And we are very, and that's why teams seem to have great line speed against us and always in our faces because we make it easy for them to do that. And, Whilst occasionally we seem to we beat that line speed with a nice good early ball to Katoni, who then beats someone, more often than not, we're losing advantages with, with how we play football like that. It's just yeah, it's really frustrating. And the other guy who's really frustrating me this season, and he's now out for 10 plus weeks. And we'll get to the what we've done after that. But man, Tessie could not have been worse. No, it's been he has been diabolically bad. Like as a, so casual. As someone who has played a lot of fullback, watching him is infuriating. He does everything wrong. Everything mm. wrong. There is no, especially on the defensive side of the ball, attack, um, forget about attacker. You know, it is what it is. He takes him, hit ups, whatever. That's, that's mm-hmm. fine. I don't care about that. But on the defensive side of the ball, he is the most out of position player I've ever seen wearing a one jersey. He, I mean, he is so bad. worse than Dufty. And Dufty is poor this year. But he is just, he sets up on the wrong side of the play, the ball. He stays in the defensive line when he shouldn't. He's got no urgency to get to any kicks in behind the goal line. He's got no urgency in trying to defuse a bomb. He's let Corey Oates do half of his job while playing on the wing and being as old as... Old Corey. And slow, yeah. like... There is no redeeming factors at the moment about how Tessie plays at fullback, and it is infuriating. Yep, and like the two nice passes he's thrown this year and the try he supported did not make up for the rest of it because no. uh, he, he's out of position on almost every single try we concede. And the, the terrible signs are made is like the, the, the Cowboys, like they demolished us and they're not a very good side, even though they've won a few more games than us. But they've been pretty good at picking weaknesses apart, and pretty much all they did was kick at Tessie, and they beat yeah. us. They beat us by thirty points. And when he was in the line and like in the right spot, people yeah. just scooted from dummy half and scored through him. Yeah, oh, that was like, Joey Manu twice. <laughs> and he's, but it's, it's even happened in other games. It's like it has. you're low to the ground as it is, mate. You should not be getting beaten on the low dive over. And it's not good that he's only been fullback for such a short time, but teams are picking on him. 
Like they're fully aware that they can get through him. Either his kick defense is poor or he's, I mean, he's in the line, he's a target anyway. And the real lack of urgency is what's killing me too because you can defend in the line and I understand that they're, they're, he's learning from Darius and that's what they're doing and all that. And that's fine. If defending line works fine if you know what you're doing. And we then Darius became a meme by the end of his career, but for most of his career, defending the line, he was very good at reading the game. So you wouldn't notice he was in the line. And then he'd be on his bike, sweeping in the end goal, following where the ball was going all the, well, all the whole yeah. time. It's two passes though. When Darius was defending in the line, he would either be an A or B defender. Mm-hmm. The ball would go, and as soon as the ball went, he fell out of the line and started chasing towards the corner where the ball was going. Tessie mm-hmm. just shuffles across as if he's part of the defensive line. He doesn't actually yes. get out the back to where a fullback needs to start. Or he covering. just stands still sometimes. <laughs> like the, the, the kick that the Roosters last try they scored off that kick, and they, they picked up, up Tessie the whole game, but he was looked like he was marking Tedesco down the blind. Okay, if he got told to follow Tedesco, fair enough. But they pass left and he doesn't move. No. It's like, dude. What are you doing? And then they kick behind the line and then he like kind of jogs. And so many of our tries, like this is the thing, like I, I didn't want to let go of Jermaine Osako. And Osako makes more glaring mistakes than Tessie because Osako makes mistakes on the ball. Yes. So the average fan won't, well, probably hasn't even noticed that Tessie's been garbage because he's just not been near the ball when things have happened. But yeah, also but, when Jermaine makes his mistakes, it's usually like I said, when we're attacking, like he might throw a bad pass yeah. or he might drop a ball when he's returning a kick or something like that. Yeah. But he's actually returning the ball for a kick. Tessie's not even getting there. Exactly. So there's right, a big man. difference. Like he's just leading, he's just letting the ball go. So it's a try. At least like Jermaine's yeah. effort is to actually get to the ball. Exactly right. Jermaine was a lot of effort to get to the, to the ball. And I think the thing that was really tough for me is like pretty much it seemed like Tessie was just going to have this unopposed run this year at fullback. And I'm assuming that's what's happening considering what's hap- what happened with that coming up this week. And I'm all for dudes learning and similar, but the lack of urgency looked like a lack of care factor from Tessie. You knew. And if you're not interested in playing the defensive side of the ball as a fullback in first grade, you shouldn't be playing fullback in first grade. No, absolutely not. Like, you I can, mean, again, mistakes can be forgiven. It's the not giving a fuck. It looks like he didn't give, give a shit, mate. They yeah, these aren't mistakes. That. Yeah, these aren't mistakes. This is just straight up, like, it's like malpractice. There's just no, he's got no urgency. There's no desire for him to actually get to where he should be. And he's playing like someone that is, yeah, I've just signed a new contract for five years. It doesn't matter because I'm still going to get paid. That's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how he's playing. You're like, how are you? playing like this you should be doing uh, and you know we obviously think everyone in our team should be doing everything they can to get the ball but like for for kev to not actually address this and say mate my my job's on the line here i need you to be doing these things you need to be getting to those balls like but he he doesn't like coaching comes into this darius he can work with darius all he wants but kev's Mm -hmm. the head coach and if I'm looking at video replays and I'm seeing those kicks behind and I'm seeing Tessie 10, 15 metres off the ball every time, I'm going to Tessie and I'm going to Darius and say, boys, what on earth are you doing out there? Why are you so far behind the ball? You need to start fixing this now or you're gone. Yeah, 100%, mate. Because it's also it'd be Darius's job there to work on some skills with Tessie. It's not his job to motivate them. But it just seems in this... I don't know. Kevy is in the same motion he was in last year. He's 
the start of the year, he could get away with blaming the prior administration and the prior team, whatever. And he wanted to get back into the Broncos, like whatever, whatever. He's stuck in this cycle of positivity. And, mate, like, you don't have to be negative all the time, but it feels like they won't, players wouldn't be getting the required feedback. If you get me, if they get getting told after every time they play shit house, oh, good effort. Yeah. Like, Tessie needed, needed a couple of rockets for somebody's kick defense. Like, old man Corey Oates shouldn't be sweeping from the wing for him, but Tessie just jogs back to half these kicks and teams picked on him and he just kept getting picked and every week it looked like it was going to be that forever. Like, and those mistakes, like the lack of effort, it is so much more glaring than actual mistakes. Like, oh, comparing to another fullback who's having a really good year, but Dylan Edwards was laughed at for a long time. And early in his career, teams tried to pick on him. And Edwards made a lot of mistakes, but he didn't ever stop fucking trying. Like, he was always attacking the ball, always making mistakes, always sweeping kicks. And that's when you can say, well, that guy, you know, when the mistakes go away, he'll be a pretty handy fullback. If Tessie just stands away from the ball, like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, and like I said, happen. you can, like, you know, obviously, like, we've made fun of Dylan Edwards because he's, you know, he's not the world's greatest fullback, you know, despite what some Panthers fans might think. But I would happily have Dylan Edwards playing fullback for my team over testing you because I know he's going to contest the footy. I know he's going to get back into the defensive line to try and clean up every sort of loose ball or ground kick or anything like that that's coming mm-hmm. through. And I know he's going to chew off as many metres as he can on kick returns. That's yep. all you want from your fullback. Like, first and foremost, they're the things you want. You want the ball taken back hard to the line and you want every single kick diffused that you possibly can. Like, there's going to be times where you get out jumped or a bad bounce goes your way and you can't clean it up, but you're there. If you're there mm-hmm. competing for the footy every time, that's all forgivable because, you know, you're there competing for the footy and sometimes things just don't go your way. But when you're not even in the frame and when you're nowhere near the ball trying to compete for anything and your kick returns are lacklustre, like when there's pressure on Tessie trying to get out an in goal, he still can't even just find the ground. Like, are, yeah, man, are we no. still playing like we're thinking we're going to get penalised for an involuntary tackle? Like one of those hasn't been blown in 20 years almost. Get, get to the ground, mate. Those are the basics that this team still doesn't get right because Coppo's done it too. And Selwyn yeah. can try and use the excuse of age, but how that, like, we're just a team that for a number of years, no matter who's there, they can't get the basics right. And things like that is embarrassing when you watch guys run upright out of the end goal. And, and this is met all, at the goal line. And this is back to coaching. These are so, these are the most basic fundamentals of the game. If you get out of the end goal, you hit the, de- like, unless you're getting to the, t- 10, 15 meter mark when with a you know with a normal carry you hit the mm. deck so you can get the ball on the ground it doesn't matter if it's a surrender because we're not surrendering as six tackles set back to the opposition but yeah, yeah it is basic fundamentals like even running down the sideline and not coming back in on the third tackle oh, we'd love we get, that too we just get bundled over because we see a little bit of open space so we think we're going to score from it and all of a sudden oh no we've got to try and beat the guy on the outside no you hit the deck, it's the third tackle. You get to play the ball and you reset and you go again. Again, yeah, and this that's is been, coaching. It is. That's been the issue with the right edge this year. Like, they've got better as the weeks have gone. But, like, Selwyn and Stags has this – I don't. Stags had his whole career. They can't accept the play's over. Yeah. They can't accept yeah. the opportunity is gone. And, you, and, you know, and that's the hard thing is because it might be the seventh minute of the game. And mm. it's the second tackle and we've made a break and you're like, hang on, I've got that fever. I've got that white line fever. I need to mm-hmm. try and finish this off. It's like, 
you can finish it off in this set. It might just be two tackles later. That's yeah, what building pressure is. <laughs> it's so rare that we make a break on the right-hand side and it finishes. If you me. It's so rare that we get the opportunity to spread it left after because it's either it's they've scored, great, or they've bombed a try or bombed yeah. an opportunity. <laughs> but they're just all those many small things in coaching that you would sit there wondering, like, what do we work on week to week? Like, why are we bad in the same ways? Yeah. Why are we making the same mistakes? And it's not just this year. It's a continuance from last year. It's... It is. Again, it's like, how can you not address these things? If Because if it's so basic. If you're doing all of these, like I said, it's the one percenters that Bellamy will drill into people, that Bennett will drill into people, that teams like that, that Robbo, you know, all of these coaches will drill in. It's not, they're not winning it on brilliant plays every week. They're winning it because when they get in a position to create pressure, they do it. If that means you make a half break and you take a tackle and then you hit the posts and then you come back to that same side, that's what you do. It's always yes. about the next play, the next play. It's not the current, if we don't score, we've completely blown it. No, if you don't score, what you've done is you've got the defensive line on the back foot. Then you can play at the ad line. You can make some more meters. You make some easy meters. The defensive line's retreating. Then you can go back to that side where you just made a break. It's like all of those things that literally aren't hard to fathom, but we can't seem to get a grasp on, you know, can't, mate. playing. We've got six tackles in a set. Let's, if it's on the third that we create a half chance, we've still got three more tackles to go back there and finish the job. Yeah, that's it. But I may as well move on to the next thing though with the replacement fullback. But what one other part of that too is that how little footy some of these guys get to play together or stay together. Like we keep changing everything and it doesn't, again, not a surprise that when it just keeps changing that they don't never seem cohesive on the field. And obviously I'm pro some change and you can't just stay in the team because they've put you in there, but this team doesn't seem to ever have a plan outside no. of what the next game is. And I think that comes with the game plan. It just seems to be, let's just win this next one. And it, it doesn't seem to be a strategy. Like we mentioned earlier, the Turpin stuff. So if Turpin, he's hurt now, I believe, but okay. Start of the year, Turpin was a nine, Billy was a 14. Fine, you did that. And then Albert got hurt. So you went Billy 14 to the six, Pakes to 14. Okay. So now this week, if Turpin's hurt, why in the fuck did you move Billy? Or if you Is thought Gamble was good enough. I don't know, but it's like if you were good, if you thought Gamble was good enough. And you like Billy at 14. Why did that change? Why didn't Gamble not just come straight in at 5'8"? Yeah. That's what I mean. So whose form is now bad? And so Billy's form at six was so bad that he lost his jersey that now we can go to the 14 jersey where Pakes was the original nine from everything we heard at the start of the year who ended up not getting picked for some games because he wasn't in the best 17 because we had somebody else at 14. But now he's the starting nine and our six is our 14. And a guy who hasn't played a single game this year is coming into six. And one of the guys we signed to play six and get some time in Q Cup is now coming to play fullback, which obviously makes heaps of sense. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> it. And I, I, I was so happy with the Tamari Martin signing. I loved it because it was such a low-risk manoeuvre, it felt like. You see if he goes into Queensland Cup, give him half a season, see if he can come in. We have a massive hole at 5'8". 
he can come in there. And I did I remember we spoke about it in our, on, our, on in Auburn Rookies Discord that he had played a bit of fullback, but that was like great glass three, in case four years ago. Emergency. Yeah, but he has. But that's another sign of that planning, mate. It's like so when they let Osako go, who was their backup fullback? Like, I guess it was David Mead, right? That's what I'm guessing. But Mead got hurt like three weeks ago. So what was their plan for backup fullback then? And if it was Tamari Martin, like it seems to have been, why in the fuck did Tamari Martin play 5-8 in Queensland Cup? Yeah. And why have Herbie and Cobo had reps to fullback in the preseason when yeah. they're not going to get used in the time where they should be getting used? Well, that's it, mate. Like, that's something that doesn't make any sense. Like, Tamari Martin, I hope he does really well. But he's been set up to fail this weekend because he has played, like, literal zero footy with these guys. Zero footy, none at fullback. You expect him to come in at a key position, command the defense, understand his teammates. He's got to understand, you know, okay, Cape Ball can offload this way. I've got to run. I've got to support that side. Or, you know, Reynolds likes me here or whatever. Those guys like me there. He has none of that cohesion. Right? So he didn't even do any reps in preseason with them. And the guys who have done that are staying in their old positions. And it's, it's, it's hard to figure out. And it, and it makes so much sense to, you know, Cobo's obviously had his dramas on the wing this year, made quite a few errors and, you know, done some silly things. But, like, mm-hmm. his natural position is fullback. And yes, he was learning wing. Yeah, so <laughs> we know that if you put him at fullback, he's going to be more comfortable there. We know he's going to get to the ball a lot quicker than what Tessie did. He showed it in the second half last week. That, it, was, it was good last week. Yeah, so he should be, just, like, the simplest thing, and I, I do want Herbie to get a try, you know, at fullback, in the coming weeks, but it, it seems like that's not going to happen. So why aren't we just moving Cobo to fullback and putting Pereira on the wing? Like that's why we sign guys like Pereira and Brenko Lee, because they're guys who are in the squad. You sign them for those depth reasons. So you don't have to bring someone on a train and trial mm-hmm. deal to play into a, a key position. Like Cobo is there. Just literally move him to fullback. You don't, you don't, nothing changes that way. Yeah, but, that's what I understand. You mentioned there, like, so guys, they signed Pereira, right, to be a good veteran backup. They signed Branko Lee to be, a, you know, a, whatever he was. I thought he was going to be a starter. He isn't. Uh, and then they've also signed um, Deloise Hoyter, who's a 28-year-old guy who's played a lot of centre. So they've got these three experienced backs they'd signed for depth. And fullback goes down, and your first choice is a 5'8". Yeah, who's not even in your like your top thirty squad? Yeah, you get exemption to add him, and I love. I, I hope he does really well. But again, the five eight jersey's fucking vacant. Yeah, and I've got like <laughs> he could have just come no, into five eight. Yeah, I've got no doubt that Tamara Martin's going to be better than Tessie because he's just yeah. a you know he's played first grade, he knows football, he he's just got a better brain. So we know that smart, uh, Tamara Martin is a smarter footballer than what Tessie knew is. So his positioning, mm-hmm. I think, just out of the nature of Shearley being a better footballer, will be better than what Tessie's is. But yeah. again, that's not his spot. We were, we've been talking this whole preseason and everything since we found out that tomorrow was going to be coming in, that like he's going to be great once he, once he spends eight, ten weeks in Q Cup, and then we likely will be able to use him at six. So Ezra mm-hmm. Mann can get a full season in Q Cup again, playing against the men, hopefully be ready for next year. Mm-hmm. And instead, Kev somehow big brains it and swaps four spine positions essentially with yeah. Pakes coming to nine, Billy to 14, Gamble to six and Tamari to one. 
how on earth are we supposed to win games and that's happening every second week? And yeah, that's it, mate. They expect them to be good. And if you're not, you get moved in two weeks. And it's his 15th spine in 31 games. Mentioned number on Boomerook. He's mentioned again here. 15 from 31 games. And other changes as well, mate. Even another random one. Why let Keenan Palacier get benched? Yeah, he's been like, good. He's been good. And Jensen was good last week and he started. He was, but it's like, can you just sometimes, Kevy, accept it? Like, Keenan was good. He can keep that spot. You know, magically shuffling those is not going to change anything. Yeah, you, like you're moving you're focusing on the wrong areas all the it time. Is. Like, look, at, it is again, you're dropping Keenan Palacia, who's been great or who's been very good. And Ricky still stays out there. We've got a healthy TC Rabati, who's an edge back yeah. rower. Why isn't who's he getting dropped. around? <laughs> like, how are you still playing these guys? Like, like I said, we can, I'm happy to keep Capewell on the edge. He's experienced. Yeah. I think things will turn around, but he does a lot more for the defense on that side of the ball. He is a kick pressure guy. He's a kick chase guy. So he does the little things. We just need him more involved with the ball. But Ricky on the other side is doing absolutely nothing. And yeah. you just keep him. And yeah. you've got a healthy TC Rabati who's an edge back rower, who's, shown that he's getting involved more anyway when he does play and all of a sudden he's out. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense, does it? Like, it just seems it's changed for the sake of change. And I like things, like, I don't think you should hold your jersey forever, but I also don't think you can keep changing your spine every three weeks and hope it's going to be good. Like, his most used spine was, like, four games last year of Tessie, Tyson, Brody, and Turpin. Four games in a row they played. Yeah. Terrible spine as well. But that was like back in up at home back in the last year. We, we played better because we played at Suncorp every week. It's pretty much what you can take from the back end of last year. But they'll probably be really good this weekend and beat the Bulldogs because it's home and the Bulldogs are turning up limp. And then we'll probably think we're really good for two weeks. Maybe we beat the Sharks at home next week and we think, well, fuck, we're awesome. And then we'll go get pounded by the Rabbitohs in Sydney and then we'll change the spine. Yeah. And again, like <laughs> I said, this it's so hard to get excited about our team because we just don't know what team's coming every week and the places where you expect change don't and then the places that don't need change do it's like he's for some reason he's is he scared of dropping someone like ricky what like why are you afraid of him because like we did re-sign him at the back end of last year or whatever it was on some decent money like you're afraid to drop someone who's on a decent wicket because you think oh, I've got this guy on this much money, he should be playing. I don't, like, I don't understand. This Like, your job's on the line here, but you should be making smart choices, but you're not. That's the thing I understand. His job's on the line, mate, and that's the shuffles he he, he does. It's like, how, how did you come up with this? What, what Who are yeah. you sitting there advising with where you thought, you know what, I'm going to move four people around in the mm. most important areas of our team and hopefully that works this week. Yep. And then if it doesn't, like, and that's what we know, mate. Like, if it doesn't work, we still have guys that haven't had a, haven't had a shot. Like, he still hasn't tried. Like, Tamari Martin's now in first grade. Well, he'll probably try him at six at some point. You know, Ezra probably gets a run sometime this year. You know, maybe we do see Cobble or Herbie at fullback. It's like there's so many other things he's going to keep doing. And it's like you think if there was competent coaching, you'd think the team would go, would know that, hey, if X happened, we've got a 10-week opportunity here now. You know, Tessie's out. Do we want to give Cobo that run or Herbie yeah. that run? It and, should, and Herbie... be, it should no, be four or six weeks of Herbie or Cobo. Cobo, yeah. 
getting that number one jersey. Like I'd say, yes, let's try Cobo there first. Let's give him four or five weeks, see how he goes. If after that time there's still dramas and we're still having trouble with it, okay, then we can try Herbie for four or five weeks. If at the end of that it's still not happening, then Tessie's back. Okay, whatever, chuck him back in. Yeah. But I can almost guarantee you that four or five weeks of either Herbie or Cobo is still going to, is going to be better than the five or six weeks we've seen of Tessie this year. Yeah, and like for tomorrow, Martin, I'll guarantee you right now he's not a fullback of the future. No, of course so not. What are we doing? Like they they have all these chats with Cobo talking about the, what they see for him and for Herbie. And you know, middle of last year, before Tessie got his shot at fullback, Herbie was picked for that game at fullback. Warm up injury, Herbie goes to the centers. Tessie plays fullback. He was picked against the Raiders to play fullback. So since then, I don't know what's changed, but he's fallen down the depth chart. We spent forever talking about Cobo as a fullback. Opportunity presents itself, and it gives you a chance to go. Like, like Cobo could take this jersey. Yeah. You know, he could go there. If it goes well, he could take this jersey and be our fullback. And then it makes the contract negotiations easier as well because we, they, they want big bucks. You know, if he's a great fullback, whatever, he's a fullback. We've seen him play fullback in reserve grade. His best footy's been there. He's all effort. The mistakes will come, but at yeah. least I'll happily have Cobo drop a bomb that he attacked. Well, that's you like know? what we said with um, Dylan Edwards, you know, he, yeah. it's effort. And that's what you want from your fullback. And at the moment, we've got none. So we've got that guy, like I said, Cobo, who is a big effort guy. Probably goes too wild, which is why he yes. does make some mistakes because he yes. is just always so keen. But, you know, you want that from a fullback. You want someone keen to be near the ball. You want someone keen to, you know, go for the bomb. I don't, like, I'm happy to take mistakes there. Obviously, I don't want six a game, but, like, at least he's there trying. I'd rather trying leading to failing than just not trying leading to nothing. 100%, mate. And and the Tamari Martin stuff, like, again, I hope he goes well, but he only ended up at fullback for the Cowboys a couple of years ago. It wasn't the first choice thing. They just had Morgan and Clifford in the halves, so they were like, and they had no fullback. Yeah, because so wasn't tried Tamari just gone? There. Yeah. Like, that's it. They tried, When they had tried Jordan Kahu there earlier, if you, they signed him from us, and he wasn't up to it. Anyway, and then he got injured, and that was it. But then he hasn't played it in Cup now. And I've watched Tamari's games. And he's been pretty... He looks like the dude is class above in Queensland Cup. But he also looks like a dude who's pretty comfortable. You know, every touch he has is kind of classy. But he's not really pushing himself. And he's going through the motions and similar. And the club should have watched those games. And it's just hard for me to think that he's going to come into first grade now. All of a sudden run like 10 plus kilometers playing fullback. Attack every kick. Support every play. And perform to the level we want from a fullback. It's just hard yeah. to think that that's going to click. And he was kind of because I reckon he didn't think he was playing first grade anytime soon either. Yeah, I can almost guarantee that he was thinking I might be getting a call up around June, July, yeah. <laughs> mid season, you know, yeah, and, and in the sixth jersey. Yeah, that's like, it's just frustrating. You look at it now; it's like it's hard to think what's the long term plan with this because what what happens when Turpin comes back? Now that Billy's back to fourteen, are you telling me like it, it'd probably go like Turpin straight to start and Pacey gets dropped then? Does Billy go back to six or does, I don't know. Yeah. Again, it's, it's very hard to see. And he, you know, I mean, at, in preseason, it sort of looked like we had our spine sorted, you know, it looked like it was going to be Tessie one, uh, Albert six, yeah, yeah. Adam, Adam seven. And then it looked like Pates nine. That's yeah. how our preseason felt. That's how it looked like it was starting. And then one injury and all of a sudden Pates is, third on the depth chart of hookers 
behind Turpin and Billy. And our fullback is next backup fullbacks now, Tamari Martin, with Gamble, who was probably going to be our third or fourth choice six, now in there. Just yeah, it is all over the shop. And it's it does it's hard to see it getting any clearer. It's gonna get muddier before it gets clearer, I think. 100 percent mate. And it's unfortunate that Albert was playing well and you know he's he's got injured, but we both know that was a competition for that jersey anyway. That wasn't like they'd locked into Albert for a long time as the as the five eight. So of course not. you think the other and guys like, would be more competent when they stepped in. And we always thought that whether it was Albert or Billy or Tyson, they're again just like last year, holding the jersey until we really think Ezra's ready. Like that's mm. probably the, that's who they're really waiting on, which is fine, but just be smarter, Kev. You can't have, we can't have three different five eights in six weeks. We can't. And yeah, if Billy's in the side and he thought he was the six, just leave him at the six. Yeah. We've got, <laughs> like, we, we just put Tyson as the 14. I don't care. He can cover a multitude of positions that way. Like, don't change your six every two weeks. Yeah, and then hope one of them has a good game. And then what? If they play bad in two weeks, they get dropped again. It's just strange, mate. It just feels like because he was a half. And even though he was given stability his whole career, and I don't know, he spent like 20 years at the Broncos in the storm as a player and a coach. And at those times, those teams didn't just shuffle players. Like even Bellamy even gave Brody Croft like years. He sucks. But they yeah. try and plan and set up for success in – those positions, those are the ones you shuffle the least. If you know what you're doing, if you found your guys, you put them there and you move them the least because like that's where most of your success will be, you know, come from and stability will come from. But it feels like Kevy, because he was a half and he likes halves, he thinks, you know, I don't know, one week some guy would have step up and that'll be it. Like, I well, and, I, and I think that's a big thing is like the reason why Bellamy and Bennett didn't change their spine was because they could cut them to- they needed to do. So Brody Croft isn't an attacking whiz, but what Bellamy did with him and to win many games as well with him there just quietly was yeah. he just gave him one certain role and said, this is your job. Because, <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, So we've got Reynolds, who is the captain on the field, essentially probably the coach as well. But like Reynolds should be there distributing the ball and doing it and then all Billy or whoever should be is just whatever Adam tells you to do, that's where you go. Because that's your job. You don't have to do anything. We're not looking for you to be Jonathan Thurston or Cameron Smith or Billy Slater or anything like that. It's like, you just be here and you just listen to what Adam tells you to do and that's your job. And our spine can work like that if it's given 10, 12 weeks because there's no change in there. And it's just like, all right, my job is just to get the ball to Cakewell running a line. If he's not, or when he runs a line, I'll use him as a decoy and go out the back to our fullback. It's very basic stuff like that. It is. And with Brody Croft at the Storm, right, that year, they won 18 of 22 games he started. And he got a long run, but they got opportunity and Bellamy saw through the wins and dropped him. You know, and he, he gave him a long opportunity to lock that jersey down. He didn't. And then he landed on Jerome Hughes, who's been a superstar for him. But that's, he had a plan at least. He had his plan. Obviously, like, I'm going to give Brody a long, long lead in here. And if it doesn't work, we'll do, use this guy. But around it, this is a bit of stability. Like we have that stability in Reynolds. And you'd think maybe they pick 
a hooker and stick with one. And a full, but you know they had in that year they went from Jerome went from fullback into the halves, but it's still Coop and Cam. Yeah, Being and that's because around. they had Pappenhausen um, literally banging well. on the door as as the fourteen. Yeah. He was there just, and then Bellamy's gone. You know what? Jerome Hughes is a facilitator as well. He can easily slide into that seven role. I'm going to get more out of him than I'm going to get out of Croft. And I've got this fullback coming on, you know, just doing what he does. Let's yeah. just move it back. And and that's what he did. He did it on the eve of the finals and it worked out perfectly for him. Yeah. And it's like, it, not every plan is going to work right, but at least these other things have illusions of plans and preparation. Like I mentioned on Boom Rookies again, like when, when Walters and Langer were coming to the end of their career, Brisbane worked on Ben Walker for like five years. Like Ben Walker was like on our bench for like two or three years, played like an entire season on the bench, and then ended up starting in 99 when Alfie re- did that sudden retirement. But it was like, yeah, they had this plan. They had a plan that this was our next guy. This is the guy. Even thing, And it didn't work out. You know, he played pretty well and, was in, and then got hurt and it was in Manly after that. But at least they had a plan. This team doesn't even have a plan what their option is in two weeks. Like if Tamari Martin was your next choice fullback, and you plan for that, he would have been playing fucking fullback and reserve grade. That's just a fact. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> you know? that's, you know, and that's why you look at the storm with Pappenhausen, with Nico Hines, with Jerome Hughes. Like the plan for those guys was play cup, work on your craft there. We'll make do with what we've got in first grade. We're not going to panic and just bring someone up just because there's been one injury. And then I've got almost no doubt that Bell knew that Prof the answer. But what he did was he gave Pappenhausen enough time to start playing first grade by coming off the bench for 10, 12 weeks or whatever he did. Mm-hmm. He knew Hughes could play in the halves, but what he did is he just kept him at fullback, let Pappenhausen just ease his way into the game, only playing 30 or 40 minutes a week by coming onto the field, get used to first grade, get used to first grade speed. Once it came to the crunch time, he's like, I know that Pappenhausen can be an 80-minute fullback. I know that Jerome Hughes can be an 80-minute half. I'm making that move. Croft, you're useless. Get out. And I'm going to go and win a premiership. And he did. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's hundred percent what it is. And I know Bellamy got criticized for moving on from Croft. Just like when like, remember the Roosters got criticized for moving on from Flanagan because they were winning, but yeah. again, good coaches could see that failure, but also good coaches could see the results through losses and what they stick with. Yeah. And we don't seem to have that. And it's very well, frustrating. I mean, like, Bellamy was watching their team win despite having mm. Croft at seven. He's like, okay, we're winning. This guy's literally a passenger. I've got a great fullback coming through the ranks, playing 14 at the moment. Once he's ready to go, we can move on from this seven who's literally giving us nothing. But yeah, yeah we're, we're looking at our guys going, guys. yeah. You know, and we're looking at our guys going, he might be good. Uh, yeah. Let's chuck him at six. He might, he might work. Well, yeah. we'll and whilst, go run a fullback. Yeah. Whilst the Storm have a lot of options when they have a guy move on. Like they had like three guys ready to beat Philip. They had Hughes, Pappenhausen, and Drinkwater who could have played fullback when Slater retired. But they gave them all a long lead in reserve grade. Lots of planning, all that jazz. Crane rose at the top. Yeah, Crane doesn't rise at the top when it's different, when it's every week we change. Whoever, like We didn't even have half the dudes we have now last year. Yeah, and that's and the thing. Is like, this is Kev's... Like, Kev's got his fingerprints all over this. And, and that's the strange thing is like... Yes, we've given him extension, but, you know, we've spoken about this before. That's, for me, that just seems like that's to keep the media at bay so they're not asking about Kev's future all season so we can actually start looking for a coach. Um, and, you know, he's got his fingers all over 
now and these decisions he's making. Like, man, you've got to win. You can't be – effort doesn't give you anything in rugby league. Like, we – you can't just be happy with effort. Like, yeah, that's what teams do. Look at the Tigers. Yeah, with the boys are trying, blah, blah, blah. Like, no. At some yeah. stage, you're going to have to start winning and winning more because your job is gone if you don't. 100%, mate. And and that's the thing with the planning, as you mentioned. Like, the, so the guys that have his halves, like Albert Kelly – Tyson Gamble came from nowhere, right? They weren't really... And then we put him in. Tamari Martin, same this year. Uh, Corey Pakes wasn't really part of that massive planning last year. They added Billy. It's just like a lot of like just hoping shit sticks rather than looks like we actually, we've got a, a succession plan in motion. Uh, that's my head in. Anyway, we should really move on from, from that. We talk about it for, forever. We'll have some questions soon, but we'll, we'll quickly touch on because I know some people have asked about this. People, we haven't gotten heads here. People want to know what the hell uh, Dave Donahue and uh, Ben Iken up to right now. And uh, I will say they made it, obviously made a good splash last year when they got into the club and they brought they went and got Adam Reynolds. That was great. Uh, and I do. I, agree I saw that. the Kurt Cape will be a good signing. Yeah, uh, they did that, and then um, they did seem to calm down on giving the long extensions to current Broncos for big money, which is nice because I've got sick of us just re-signing everyone for big money. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they did that, and I and I know people are sitting here thinking, "What the hell are they doing right now?" But I also don't know what we can expect them to be doing in round six of a season. I don't know what you think, Benny, but uh, whilst it's been very quiet, I think in the past I heard too much from the people up top in Brisbane. I yeah, heard too sure. much talk, and not enough things happen. And I know we'd like to see them publicly talking to player X, Y, or Z. Like we, me, and you, have been on about Munster for years. I'd love to see that, but also those things shouldn't happen in public. No. Well, if they happen in public, look at look at the night situation with Ponger and his dad and their CEO mm. and everything like that. And, and you know, the Tigers have been their front office has been speaking to the media forever, and everyone's like, "Why the hell are you talking? Shut up!" Like nobody needs to hear from you. Look at yeah. you know the Roosters barely say a word, do things behind doors. The Storm barely say a word, do things behind doors. Good teams do things behind doors. And yeah. I just think that you know while it was great to get Reynolds and Cape last year. That's, you know, two signings like that in in your first 12 months of getting to the club, pretty decent. Mm-hmm. They've still got a lot of time to turn this club around. It was never going to be this year was the fix. This year was hopefully stepping stones to building to a finals contending team next year. Like this yeah. year, you know, this is a, you could luck into eighth if you're the Broncos. I don't think we'll make the finals, but... If we just beat the teams, because there's a lot of bad teams this year. If we just beat the bad teams that we should do, then you'll be hovering around that sort of 8th to 12th range. And if you don't get blitzed by all the good teams, then your foreign against might be good enough to get you into the finals. But yeah, like as, as for DD and I can, it's, it is what it is. Like, I don't really care. I don't need to hear from both of them every week. Um, they're doing their thing. I think there's, I think they're looking at signings. I think they're looking at coaches, um, you know, for next year. But there's no point in it playing out now because, you know, it, it, there's just no point. Kev's got the reins for this season. I don't think he'll last the whole yeah. season. But, you know, it's it's just to keep the media off their back. And, and that's a good thing. Like, we didn't want – we don't want the whole is he, isn't he going to be extended running out this year because then that makes it, it all about him and – takes away focus from the team and that sort of thing. So I'm happy that they give him extension. If they're going to pay him out 200 grand next year, so be it. I don't care. 
Yeah, it's not my money. But that, no. the other part too, like they, should, well, I know we want them to be making signings and making moves. And for me, the good thing is, you know, we hear about the money that Cobo and Herbie and those similar that they want. I read a quote on Ben Iken yesterday saying, like, we really want to keep her. We love Herbie, whatever, whatever. But if the market goes somewhere, you know, pretty much alluded that if someone offers him too much, we can't keep him. Which yeah, is, you know, that's good. That's what we that's should what we be need doing. to start doing that stuff. Yeah, like I don't want to lose Herbie either, but. Well, that's why we're in the mess we're in now is because they panic bought every half-decent prospect for five mm-hmm. or $600,000 three or four years ago. Yeah, and they all, still all have of, no, they generate no money, no cap space. Yeah, all of a sudden we've got all these guys in our top 30 squad earning similar amounts of money when we should have five or six guys on seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, and we should also have seven or eight guys on 100, 125,000. Yeah, but we seem to have twenty guys on five hundred thousand. Yeah, hundred percent. They did get it right with the Carrigan extension. I'm going to eat, eat some crow there. That it's been a while. We didn't mention any good stuff. He was really good this year. That came from he's, nowhere. Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. Player. But that's what, right and that's there. down to him. You know, just going. You know what? I need to be better. You yeah. know who else? I would love to look at footage and say, you know what? I need to be better. Tessie Turpin. Yes. Those sorts yes. of guys. Ricky. And he took it upon himself, mate, which is fair to Carrigan. Like he he said a lot of that stuff, mate. He went and worked on himself because he saw probably what Kobe did in his absence. That if you want that job, Patty, you have to be better next year. Yeah. And you know what? I've got no dramas. If if Carrigan's the 13 and he's playing the way he's playing, kudos to him. That's yeah, great. That's Patty. what you want. You want competition for spots. I hated when he was playing well. It would seem he was one of the unchallenged ones. I hated that. Yeah. But if you if you're playing really well, you keep the jersey fair enough. But, I do like they haven't extended a lot of those guys panically yet. It might still come. But the other thing, the reason why we're not hearing a lot is because there's like no good actual off-contract players I've had to speak to right now. So yeah. you'd hope if they're speaking to someone like a Munster, I don't think they are, but if they were, well, he's not actually allowed to be spoken to. to like, well, he can be, sorry, he can be spoken to, but he can't be signed to November. So what's the point of it being out there? Yeah. Like, so. I mean, yeah, like I said, you and me have spoken forever. We Like, Munster should be target number one, I think. I just I can't see how we wouldn't at least put the feelers out there. Because I mean, we can give him a million dollars a year. Like if we've only yeah. we've signed Reynolds to what, seven fifty, eight hundred thousand? Yeah. Something like that. Like, I mean, we've got money to be able to sign into a contract that's going to be a million a year, which is going to be that's going to be worth about one point two in Melbourne. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And then I think the other thing, like Reese Walsh obviously wanna be targeting too to get home. But I think my major judgment of them will come as, as the season rolls. We see the contracts that they get handed out. And then we also see we need we need a new spine player. I don't care how much you, you rate the guys in our juniors. I don't care how much you rate Ezra or Blake Moser or, or not no one of our fullbacks. <laughs> but they need to sign somebody. Yeah, they do. They need someone who's, you know, 25, 26 years old. Yeah, who's good now and good going to be good for the next, you know, seven, eight, nine years. Yeah, that's it. So I'll judge them when we get to the point in time where they haven't done those types of things. So I know people are, want to put the pressure on them now and, the, and they will get the pressure. Those there. But I also think with the first grade team, as you said, Kevy's in charge of the results week to week. I think they've given him enough rope that he has no excuses uh, come kind of end of season. That's what I believe. Maybe I'm all wrong there. There's obviously some blind faith as well, but you can't like they've been at the club since the end of last season. I don't know how much change you can expect. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, they, they can't, you know, there's, they're probably coming in with a little bit of room to be able to work some 
They've obviously used the room to sign Keppel and Reynolds. Come the mm-hmm. end of this season, there's a little bit more room for them to start working. Come the end of next season, more room again. So these guys here, you obviously can't fix it, which was a shocking mess leading up to when they got here. Like that was very, mm-hmm. very poorly handled with Paul White and everyone that was there before them. So like we can't just expect everything to be gone back to clean slate just because they arrived. They've still got to do work to make sure that they can get it back to a position where they can actually start making, you know, multitudes of good signings, not just one or two here and there. That's it, mate. And I'll, I'll start, I'll hit the panic button if I start seeing them extending everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If I see our side with extended Cobo for 700K, I'll be like, yeah, no thanks. That's, that's not yeah. good. Yeah, because like other other thing we have, for example, like Corey Oates is off contract, right? Corey's off contract, Herbie and Cobo. Well, Herb, Cobo's not off contract, but he wants wants an extension. Cobo is Herbie is off contract. We honestly can't afford to keep all three of them for what they'll be no. worth now. If I we sign all three of them, I'll panic. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna resign Corey Oates just quietly. I think let him have a good year Dolphins. this year. Somebody else will get him. Um again, Cobo, I like him. I think he's got a ton of upside. I don't want to yeah. be paying him any more than probably $400,000. You know, he just hasn't shown anything yet. I'm sick of paying guys on potential. Um, because similar to Kane, mate, we can go get Walsh for like 800, 900. Yeah. I mean, if you put it so, if we're paying Cobo 700,000 and somebody else 500,000, I would sacrifice two guys and just buy Munster for a million. Yeah, that's it, mate. You know, well, I mean, you can... take away Flegler's money, right? 600K yeah. and whatever Cobo wants, bang. There's Munster. And probably someone who's just you know then you got an easy guy like a jensen that you can just pick up in february before the season starts to fill out your top 30 like i don't want to start signing guys to a top 30 deal who are going to be just squad depth in june of this year which is what we've done in the past like why are we signing guys like Pereira when it's august yeah for, the, and, for uh, next year and i'm kind of i know i'm done with the um anointing the next generation of kids at our club. But we also do have like same thing when we had for feed and I banged on about why we re-signing all these back rowers years ago. Like Dean Mariner is at the best outside back prospect in the country. We have him. Someone has to go at some point. Like you can just back yourself. Don't have to play him this year. You can go round one next year. Mariner's probably first grade ready. So one of these guys has to fuck off. And he will be on his rookie, like his lower tier contract. It'll cost you less. You can't afford to have a back line when none of them are fullback. You can't afford to have stags on 700K. Cobo and similar. Oates probably on like 400 by this point. Herbie on like 600K. You can't afford yeah. that. There's no yeah. te- good, great teams in the competition that have paid everyone in the starting 13. Yeah, no, of course not. And like, you know, it's okay to have guys that aren't superstars as well. Like it's okay to have a, a center who does a job for $400,000, $300,000. $300, you know, we're lucky. We're actually got, we've probably got the best center depth in all of the, in, out of all the teams in, in the NRL. Our yeah. centers are fantastic. Like you look at Joe Imano, who's obviously killing it for the Roosters, but like we have honestly got, we could have three or four very top line centers if, you know, when they're all healthy, you know, and including Dean Mariner in there and obviously Herbie and, St- and Stags and even Cobo when he played center last year was, was quite good there. You know, so we've yeah. got enough talent there to be able to be good. It's just a bit, like I said, for us, it's, and this has been a problem for the last five, six, seven years our spine has just been so neglected. And like I said, if I'll panic, if our spine isn't sorted, that's, that's, that's it, when I'll panic. The rest will figure out. And you see this with the good clubs and it's easy to say it, but you know, like 
the Roosters have had Kevin Nagama, Billy Smith, and Paul Morowski playing for them this year. And they've all sucked. And it actually hasn't mattered. Hey. You know, like, and in Panthers, they have you know, Charlie Staines, whatever, but they have two rookies in Targo and May on rookie deals, you know, and they go, those guys have been great, but that's it. They have rookie deals going. The Storm have Nick Meany and Remus Smith playing right now. And I actually, Remus Smith's actually been fantastic for the Storm since he got yeah. there. I think he's been great, but again, he's not on massive money. He's not. They've, 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 they've paid Xavier Coates, that's about it, out of those backs. And that's what, we, that's what we should be doing. We pay Katoni, probably pay one other one. They have to accept them. We can't keep paying the rest of them. Because if we do, that money's coming out of the pocket of a nine or of a six or of a, or of a one. And I can't imagine that Justin Ollum's on $700,000 either. No, no. I don't, I yeah, I don't think so. But yeah, that's what I think. I'll start judging if we start. If we like, there was rumors that Keenan Paliasia got offered a pretty okay contract from Manly. Like it was like two fifty dollars a year for three years or whatever and backed himself to stay at Brisbane to increase his value. And Keenan's been good for us on what would probably be a low-value contract. But if we re-sign him for a long time on big money, I'll have the shits as well because we have well, paid we don't, we don't need to sign Keenan for $400,000. No, we don't. Let him go. We've got a 1,000 of those guys that we can do. Like, you know, Corey Jensen, we signed him on, I don't know, something. But, like, was, we can sign okay. those kind of guys wherever we want, whenever we want. Like, if we need to fill a spot in the top 30 come February next year, There'll be someone out there that we can just pick up. We don't need to be signing. Like I said, we've already got a thousand middles. Yeah, I mean Xavier Willison, who's injured now, they re-signed him in, in the last year. We already have like him, Flegler, Carrigan, Haas, TC. Those guys are contracted. Yeah, Kobe. Like we've got we've got plenty of guys that'll play in the middle. We don't need to. I, I would hate to see any signing news that isn't just an extension for you know, $100,000, that's any sort of... If any one of our forwards gets extended, I'm going to be fuming unless it's pain pass. Yep, same. Okay, anyway, we'll do questions. Anything you want to get off your chest before we do questions, and then we'll get out of here, because I know you've got to go somewhere shortly. <laughs> no, that's all good, mate. Far away. Okay. Okay, we'll go over questions. So we've got to Facebook first. Uh, Jesse Fagan, Fagan says, are there any coaches you would like at the Broncos after Kevy or even now instead of him? Well, I mean, we've both spoken about Seraldo. I think he'd be up. He'd probably be the top of the tree, given uh, what you've heard, what we've seen. You know, yeah. his his uh, resume as an assistant's pretty good. Obviously, that's not the be-all and end-all, but he seems to have a really good sort of knack and rapport with players and that sort of thing. Seems to be fairly switched on. Um, so, yeah, he'd probably be top of the list. But, again, you know, I'd just like to see somebody else that's not Kev, really. I mean, someone that's... If, someone fresh, mate. I don't want Paul Green either, who I think I'm afraid nah. of us signing Paul Green. Yeah, no, nah, Paul Green is the, you know, the bottom of the barrel. I'd, I'd still take him over Kev, but I don't want Paul Green. Mm. Yeah, but it's funny if we sign Green. He's, he's mates with um Ike, and that's why that's an easy one. But if we sign Green, he had three candidates to replace Wayne, and it was like Green, Seabold, and Kevy. If we just go through all three of them, just shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, but hopefully it's someone like a Seraldo. I'm not sure, fully sold on Christian Wolf, but he has worked at Brisbane in the past, which usually gives you a leg up. Maybe it's someone like him, but I'm um I'm more against, like, I don't want Kevy or Green. I could pretty much find more ways to get around a lot of other options, you know, if we yeah. get into that. I mean, I hate Shane Flanagan, but I would take him in a heartbeat as well. Yeah, and Jesse also asks, considering our troubles at fullback, would you pay for someone like Ruben Garrick? No, he's only all right because he plays for Manly. Yeah, he's only, he's 
No, Ruben Garrick. We've got five guys that could play better than Ruben Garrick. Like yeah, I said, I'd like give Herbie and Herbie Cobo. Him. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Uh, Scotty Jim says, please explain why Carrigan is the Broncos poster boy. <laughs> oh, this is an easy one. It's, yeah, you know, speaks well, young fellow who mm-hmm. speaks well. That's why he got talk, passionate you know, about the club. talked into the, yeah, into the leadership group and all that sort of thing. So it was a pretty easy sort of, um, thing to get out there, you know, make him front and centre, especially when we're going so badly and we needed a bit of a face. Like he was obviously uh, someone that they could just, yeah, they could just put him out in front. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously credit to him, as we spoke about earlier, he's he's actually made himself into a you know top quality footballer given where he was 18 months ago. Yeah. Not just uh, a stat pattern then- now. He actually plays with a big yeah. impact. He's been good. Uh, Daniel Rowling's asked, how many games do you guys think Flegler can play without a suspension? Oh, man. So Flegler's he, he another one. Ricky. He's another one like Ricky for me. Like, he's got everything that he needs to to be a very good front rower, but he's got no brain. Yeah. And, you know, he's quick. He's got good feet. He's a big body. He can hit hard. All of those things are, you know, what you want in a front rower, but he's just got to learn. And again, comes back to coaching. Like, mate, you can't be doing that sort of stuff. If you are, you're in cup. But he goes out there and I hate this. Oh, I don't want to change the way he plays. I do because I want him to play yeah. every week. Mate, have aggression when you've got the ball, mate. Yeah. It's fine. Save your aggression when you're the ball. But he's he's still only 22, which is in his side. But he's almost played 60 first grade games now, which is a bit ridiculous that, that you know, he's still making so many basic mistakes. Yeah, and to hear all that talk, he's going to change how he plays when he comes in. And I do think he was a bit unlucky on some of those penalties in the Warriors game, and we we saw him got charged properly for one of them anyway. But it's like, dude, this is your you waited three rounds to come back and play like that. Like, dude, calm the fuck down. And but again, this comes back to being debuted too early through the Seabold era because yeah, you know he just chucked every when he could in, and guys didn't have time to learn the way to play the game properly in cup. So yeah. that's a lot of, you know, this, and this is not just a Broncos thing. This can be a lot of clubs, but I think we really, because we had such an idiot for a coach who just debuted every young person you possibly could, rather than letting him spend time, you know, developing their game. I think that's, we've been hamstrung a little bit uh, on that side. No, I agree. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's been tough guys at Flegler. Flegler just has lots of the tools and there's no doubt in his future, he'll have, be it with us or somewhere else. You have a couple of really good years. I, I believe that in first grade. But also it's like we've paid him a lot of money and he hasn't gone close to living up to that. And we can't – that can't be the basis that if he plays better than he's playing now, he can't get an upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> no, he underperformed what he, what he, what he should Well, that's it. Like, you know, and you'd like to think that he can sort of recognise that, that like, look, I've, I maybe knew need to repay the club a bit and – Maybe not go for an extension or a pay rise, but I'll stay on what I'm on um, and, you know, keep going from there. Yep. Uh, Weston Blanchard, how good is Big Oats going this year? No, he's been a horse. Yeah, he's he's been great. One of our best. Uh, Chase says, why are the Dolphins getting more appealing as the weeks go on? Oh, they're, they're not, not for me. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I can understand being very, you having a lot of uh, distaste for the Broncos right now, but I don't know what you're seeing at Redcliffe that makes you go, geez, I wish I jumped on here. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I live in Melbourne, obviously, and the storm become more and more um, palatable every week. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, c- cannot, 
couldn't imagine ever getting behind the Dolphins. I hated Redcliffe even when they weren't in the NRL. That's it. Uh, Adric Mason asked, should Herbie be first choice goal kicker? No, no, nah, nah. I mean, he's a nah. good goal kicker, but Reynolds has got what a thousand kicks on the board. He's uh, yeah. kicking at 80% for his career. So, yeah. He had a couple of times, he's obviously been a bit hampered with injury and not kicked as well as you'd like, but we're not going to take, like, no, it's just a whole mentality thing. He's the captain, he's a leader, he's a, you know, he's a top point scorer kind of guy. He's going to keep kicking. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, okay, in the NBA, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole really good three throw shooters. Jordan Poole's actually a better three throw shooter than Steph Curry. And they got asked, he got asked yesterday, Steph did. And, you know, they're happy to support other guys. Other guys do things. But Steph got asked, would you let uh, Jordan start taking the technical throw throws? The throw throws, you choose anyone to shoot them. And Steph was like, no, nah, I could miss 25 in a row and I'm still taking the 26. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some things you're just like, the senior uh, dude just gets to do it, even yeah. if he's not better. <laughs> Uh, Blah Panilla, I don't know. Said, "What the fuck are we going to do for a fullback?" <laughs> I don't know. Pray for Reese Walsh, and yeah. if it doesn't happen, cry. Yeah, yeah I mean, like I said, we've both spoken about my. I'd, I'd still play Munster at one. You know, if we were to sign him, I'd it. say, yeah. "Mate, choose where you want. You can have the six or the one. We just want you to be at our club." Uh, but yeah, if yeah. I mean, you know, it seems like he's a, a longer shot than Reese Walsh. So yeah, obviously Reese Walsh to one for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, next question. This is kind of you asked answering his own question. Michael Patterson says top eight. I'll answer it. No. I've been a Broncos supporter since birth in '93. The Panthers, which we toyed with us last weekend, so they had enough and decided to get out of first gear. <sighs> blah, blah, blah. Okay, goes a long time. Anyway, so twelfth to fourteenth for ladder is tipping. Yeah, probably around there. Probably. Yeah, I, I think we can get up to sort of tenth. Um, yeah. You know, if we beat beat the bad teams, which, you know, we'll lose to a couple of, we have already, like we lost to the Cowboys and and we lost a very awful game to the Warriors, but you know, the Roosters game probably should have won, so we can beat good teams when we're playing in Brisbane um, so mm. it's just it's just a matter of beating the bad teams when we play in Brisbane too Yeah, okay, over on to Twitter last few questions before we wrap it up uh, All Sports Matters says, is Dave Donahue a fraud, getting paid a ton of money to make one marquee signing in 12 months? Uh, again, uh, we we spoke about this earlier. Definitely, I wouldn't call him a fraud. Um, just yeah. you know, just because he's not uh, front and center of every bit of you know club news there is, doesn't mean he's a fraud. Uh, you know, like I said, the Kate Will and Reynolds signings have both been Kate Will coin soon enough, I do believe. But um, but yeah, let got to give him more time to actually get rid of some of that garbage that was there beforehand before it can start, you know, splashing the cash. Yeah, uh, Eddie NZ says gut feeling where Herbie will end up next year. Uh, I, I still think he'll be with us. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets poached by the Dolphins, but uh, I think Oates is gone. I think we'll be able to uh, keep Herbie uh, on decent money. Um, but yeah, just I, I still think he'll be with us. Yeah, so do I. I think they'll probably end up finding out okay-ish deals. Even though I mentioned earlier about letting guys go, I think Oates will be the one that goes and they probably find okay-ish deals for Herbie and Cobbo. That's what I think they'll end up doing. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be cool with that. But uh, if not, I said the Eels are after him now too. I think his market will start heating up now as people see him start playing quite well. But if we go, if he goes to the Dolphins on a shitload of money, there's not much you can do about it. Yeah, I, I, if, I think we'll lose Cobbo before we lose Herbie. I think Cobo, I think the Dolphins will pay Cobo more than what they'll pay Herbie. Yeah, I think that that potential and as a fullback and whatever, like yeah. Uh, anyway, especially Mad if Dog we get Reese Walsh. 
Exactly. Mad Dog on us got no space. Fullback options, fellas. Oh, God. It seems to be where our attack is hamstrung. Is it worth playing Walters such gamble with her last pass on attack like Walker does when there's no trail? No, see, we're more hamstrung in the nine. You know, the one yeah. comes, he, he's a guy who can put finishing touches on and, you know, throw the last pass and that sort of thing. But it's getting the ball to our seven and six before we can even get it to the one that's the problem. Like, yeah, we're, we're in bigger need of a nine at the moment uh, than we are a one, I think. Like I said, we've got options with Herbie and, and Cobo that can fill in and play that one. Um, but, yeah, yeah we're, we're more in trouble with the nine position for me. No, I agree 100%, mate. Like, I, I think the options, I'd love to have seen Cobo or Herbie play there this week. Pretty upset that they're not there. Uh, but full, lo- long term, I still think that hopefully the, the uh, current fullback for the 2023 Broncos isn't on the roster. Yes. Uh, okay, next question. Uh, one of them is McFlave just says Sack Walters. Yep. Uh, Stymo says, do you... Do you think some of these young forwards and big cash are really up to first grade standard? Time and time again, we get beat to the middle. Even Lodge outplayed them the other week. I think there's some of them are. Like we just spoke about Flegler getting upgraded and that sort of thing yeah. um, prior to actually doing anything just because, you know, they were young and boom, forwards, you know, coming through. So I think some of them got panic signed, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like Flegler, Ricky, um, you know, even just a couple of the other guys with, like I said, not on huge money, but on big enough money that can, you know, prevent you from signing a good spine player. Uh, yeah. So, fair, yeah, I think that's... Yeah. To be fair to them, we haven't had close to our best pack one one week this year. Like, I mean, even against the the Warriors you mentioned there, they steamrolled us, but that was a game that Carrier got injured, Flega got simpinned. Um, we had TC and Keenan on the edges because we were missing... Uh, Capewell and Ricky, like he, that was not the ideal pack. You know? Yeah. And I do agree a lot of them have been uh, overpaid, but I actually think a lot of those guys are playing quite well in the middle of the field. We just haven't figured it all out, haven't had a week. Like, you know, give me the week when we have all them, Payne, Flegler, uh, Keenan, uh, Kobe, whatever, all those guys on the field together in the middle. Sorry, on the same team list. It hasn't happened yet or lasted. Anyway, next question, uh, D. Darrinson. We're clearly one and nine away from being a decent team. Other than hoping Walsh doesn't take the bucks at the Finns, where else are they coming from? Uh, well, nine's a tough one because it is. There, it's, it's, a, it's so shallow. And, I mean, my hope is that Pakes can be a good nine and we see him for the rest of the year almost. And I don't yeah. even care if it's a platoon with somebody else. Like if it's 60 minutes of Pakes and 20 minutes of whoever. I don't really care that much. Um, that's I was really upset that they didn't try and chase Reed Marnie last Same. year when he was available because, I mean, the dogs got him for uh, next to nothing. And, you know, I would have been more than happy for the Bronx to throw 700000 at Reed Marnie. Um, right. You know, if, I think if they had done that and you can spend 700000 800000 get Reese Walsh, if you got 1.5 mil tied up between a one and a nine, I think that would have been you know, I would have taken that at the drop of a hat. Um, but, yeah, so nine's tough, so I just hope Pakes can actually do some do some good there. And then one, yeah, I think, like I said, I've spoken about Munster, but I think Reese Walsh is more the likely target. Yeah, I would have really loved Reed Marnie. I think they're waiting for Blake Moser, but I'm sick of waiting for some of those young guys. Like, you know, even at the Tigers, right, the fucking Tigers, they have Jake Simkin, who's a pretty good prospect at nine, and they took him from us. 
didn't stop, didn't stop them from signing Coruscant. Yeah, you know, it's like just have the actual better player. And like, I actually think Simkin could be an option for us to to bring him back to Brisbane because I think he's okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping Pates can step up a little this year. I'm, I'm I am afraid of being uh, tricked by someone just being better than the other average option to thinking they're good. So we'll keep my 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 guard up with Corey. But uh, we'll see how he goes. Anyway, next question. Pythagorean RL. Why have the Broncos put new people in a lot of key positions and yet we're getting the same quality decisions being made? Not sure how an NRL club ends up with zero credible fullback options. Yeah, this is, again, you know, we've lacked lyrical about this pretty much all episode. And, yeah, I, I don't know how they've know. done it. Yeah, it's, it's truly bizarre that if we don't, it's not that we just don't have a credible one, we don't have a credible six, we don't have a credible nine. It's a lot. We don't have a credible – the only credible spot we have is a halfback. And to work out how the club got itself into that position is truly, truly insane. Like, I, I don't know what Paul White and co. were thinking, you know, when all this went down, but to, to have three of your spine players and not know who they are every week is an absolute disgrace. It is, and like it's, we've noticed. It means it's been since like we lost Ben Hunt. They haven't figured it out. It's been a long time. Yeah, because uh, it was the hoping. Ash Taylor thing, right? Like, oh, yeah. we'll we'll put our eggs in Ash Taylor after we'll let Ben Hunt go, and then he signed elsewhere, and yeah, yeah. then it was the Cody and Milf show, and then yeah, just really, really badly done. I mean, in saying that, I still believe if Wayne was not punted, and we had a succession plan of Demetrio, I still think we probably have at least three of those four spots as proper spine players. Walsh is probably still at the club, mate. Walsh is probably <laughs> still at the club. Sam Walker's probably still at the club. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think that, yeah, I, I think what we'd be looking at if then it was still at the club is maybe looking for uh, a different nine. That might be the only one where we're really yeah. struggling. Agreed. A uh, couple more here. Might skip one or two. So kind of answered them already. Uh, Rob Kennedy asks, who's good in Q Cup that could cement a spot in the next year or two? Uh, I don't really want to do Q Cup rating guys again. I did mention Mariner, but I just want to mention yeah. one that I find funny that yesterday Tristan Saylor signed with South Logan Magpies. What are the odds on him playing an NRL game for the Broncos by the end of the year? Are they like $2? Uh, they'd be pretty slim. Pretty uh, like he's, yeah, you wouldn't get much value on, on him. Yeah, it's just like last year we did that, mate. It seemed to be Kevy was like, okay, who else for any spine player? It's like, hey, who else we got? And yeah. Tristan Saylor, name, has played NRL, looked like a prospect. I reckon he, yeah, I reckon he, I wouldn't go $2, but $3 in to play an NRL game for the Broncos one of the year, I'd give you. So, okay, any more questions that are worth answering? Uh, we've already spoken about TMM at fullback. Someone joked we should change our name. We know it's not weekly. Uh, Big Jim wants it over the silver lining period, like the low point. It's already been a low point. Yeah, uh, I mean, the low point was very long. Um, I think the low point was definitely Seabold, obviously, but I wouldn't yeah. say Kev has exactly uh, covered himself in glory, so the low point's probably extended a fraction longer Sweet. than I'd hoped. Anyway, we've got to get out of here. That's all That's all the questions. That's everything. <laughs> Thanks for coming on again, Benny. Anything you want to say before we get going? Uh, no, mate, just, uh, you know, hopefully we can get a, a good win against the Bulldogs this week. Again, maybe beat the Sharks next week because it's at home. But uh, I just hope we can just somewhat settle on a spine. I mean, good luck to Tamari Martin. You know, I really hope he goes yeah. well. I don't think he's playing in the right position. But 
yeah, if he plays well, then I'm happy to see him in the team and just leave him there. a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's it. Say goodbye, Benny. See you, mate. And see you, everybody. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 